do you want to just introduce yourself and then I can use that? Yeah, so I'm Anthony Herford. I'm the project manager of the Zero Carbon Britain Hub and Innovation Lab at the Centre for Alternative Technology. Fantastic. And, and that, that hub and that lab, I've never quite worked out the difference between the hub and the lab, but uh, <laughs> that's there providing support and training and, um, and research, as I understand it, on, on the journey to net zero. Not so much research, we're building on the zero carbon research that was most recently published in 2019. Um, but what we're really focused on now is supporting practical action at local level. So we're supporting communities, local authorities and other organisations to act on climate emergency declarations. Um, and the, the Hub and Innovation Lab are the kind of vehicle for doing that within CAT. The, the Innovation Lab is within the hub overall, um, but also within the hub, we have the, the resource hub online, which has uh, getting on for 300 resources now, showing different uh, positive practical information that people can use for acting on climate emergency declarations. And then also within the hub is a, um, a growing training program. So we're providing carbon literacy training for local authorities specifically. Um, we've been hired by the local government association to run climate change training for their leadership essentials course. And we're developing a number of other courses, which will sit alongside our two day zero carbon Britain short course. Fantastic. So we've, we've got, we had a report earlier this year from the um, climate change committee, the CCC, which, which made recommendations. It made recommendations to government and, you know, those are, those are huge but they're not specifically what, what we're going to talk about. Um, but they made recommendations to, to local authorities. Um, I've got them on another screen. But, I mean, essentially around, um, you know, planning to, to net zero, measuring, training, um, working with partners. I think, I think those are some of the headings. I mean, do you, do you think that there's a clear picture now about what councils should be doing? And have, have, they, got, have they got that right? My sense is that there's just a, a huge amount of diversity between councils um, due to both their kind of geographical and characteristic um, diversity, but also the people involved um, and the extent of their own knowledge, pre-existing, um, you know, budgets, all those kinds of things create a huge amount of diversity. So I think there's there's a very mixed picture across the country. There's clearly some incredible things going on in some places and nothing going on in other places. Um, I have been encouraged to, to get a sense that I think there's been a lot going on behind the scenes um, and so not, not as much in public as, as it might kind of feel nice to see. Um, but I, I get the sense that you know a lot of people have bought into the idea and um, the need for climate emergency declarations and what comes next. But I think there's been a lot of kind of machinations behind the scenes about how people work through that within their own particular systems. Um, but yeah, I, I do get the sense that there's a lot going on to try and work out how to deal with it. But I think a lot of what is required is really new for people. And of course, that's a huge change. Um, I think particularly the the need for partnership working. I mean, the 
the recommendation that people produce climate and emergency action plans is right, but those really need to be done in partnership, not just an internal document for the council, because councils have such great potential to, to affect everything that goes on around them and become um, the kind of anchor institutions of new ways of doing things and, and leading on that. They really need to be informed by the, the widest possible um, information about their area and what's going on and what's possible and, and bringing bringing innovative ideas into what they're doing. So, so there's sort of, <clears throat> there's so many different models for those partnerships out there. You know, we've got, uh, you know, here in Shropshire, we've got, we've got um, a zero carbon Shropshire organization, which is, is, is full of people with real expertise, but it sits very separately to the council. Um, in other places like Manchester and Leeds, you've got things which were very much council initiated. Um, and then in other places, you've, you're starting with with the partnerships, which are are really around uh, community wealth building as much as they're around um, around uh, the journey to zero carbon. Um, do you get a sense of 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 where partnerships are working and what what the priorities for those partnerships should be? Yeah, I mean, we're certainly seeing a lot of different models, like you say. Um, we've we've been working with the Shropshire Climate Action Partnership quite a lot. Um, and we're very impressed by what they've been able to do in terms of putting together their own action plan and so on. And something that we've noticed more broadly is a kind of movement of um, county scale community action networks. And so we've been trying to support them by bringing them together in a few online meetings slash workshops to kind of share information about what they've been doing and how they've been doing it. And as much as anything to kind of provide moral support that they're facing similar challenges in different places, mm -hmm. but also, you know, able to, to make progress in different ways. Mm -hmm. So we're seeing that there's also the climate commissions, which have been sort of instigated by the place-based climate action network. So they've established some climate commissions themselves, but then there's been some sort of copycat climate commissions set up elsewhere. And we think that's a, quite a powerful um, way of doing things because they tend to draw in um, business leaders from across a region and also try and engage with local authorities. Um, as you say, there's others where, which have been more led by local authorities. Um, and it's, there's no kind of clear system for harmonizing approaches and maybe that's not really necessary as long as things are happening. Um, but yeah, we are we are trying to share or help people share between people doing similar things across the country. Um, there's been some work by my society recently to try and look at different types of local authorities in terms of, you know, primarily are they rural or urban, um, but then what's the sort of economic makeup of the area, I suppose. Is it uh, a sort of industrial rural area or is it a, a commercial urban area or mainly residential? Yeah. Look at how local authorities in those different um, or with those different characteristics might be best placed to share mm. information between them because they face similar challenges um, in decarbonizing. Yeah. So we're looking to kind of build on that work and maybe try and bring people together or offer people the opportunity to come together between areas with similar characteristics and similar challenges to try and um, work together more. And I think that's 
that's one of the biggest challenges here is that people aren't used to and I suppose to some extent probably don't have the capacity to do a lot of collaborations and and facilitate those kinds of collaborative processes um, so that's that's largely what we're trying to do through our innovation lab work is yeah. bring people together yeah. um, and also and almost kind of through an action learning type approach show them new ways to work together by doing it in practice on a particular issue so to pull focus out a bit and just looking at the you know the whole picture in terms of local government in in, in the uk do 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 you get a sense that at the moment the actions of local government are actually pushing us towards zero carbon or are, are actually reducing emissions area by area and do you think that we're do you think we even know I don't think we know. I don't think we could prove it. My sense is that whether they are now or not, they will be, <laughs> but that's nowhere near enough. There's, you know, this is all about speed and scale. And we don't have anything like the speed or scale of change that we need. Um, right now that's very clear i mean you look at the numbers in terms of carbon budgets and we're just we're just nowhere near where we need to be actually just just on carbon budgets because one of the things that the, the the ccc don't say is that local authorities should work to carbon budgets um although they don't quite say that but they they, they suggest that local authorities certainly shouldn't have have legally binding carbon budgets but they do have like carbon budgets at a national level um do you think carbon budgets are, are an important tool in the armory at a local level? I'm not sure how much um, how much it's worth trying to sort of negotiate carbon budgets between different areas. I think to me, carbon budgets are I think it's really valuable to understand carbon budgets because that's what tells you about the urgency of you know the speed and scale of change required um net zero which is what our zero carbon britain research has focused on um is kind of part of that puzzle and a big part but the whole story is really carbon budgets and when you get into carbon budgets and you know the the time we've got left at current emissions and that mm. really drives home the urgency of the situation yeah and i think that's really what requires that kind of wartime like mentality we we really need, all need to be pulling together on this at the same time to kind of shift the massive boulder of um that we need to yeah yeah without everyone pulling in the same direction at the same time which is right now that that huge boulder is not going to shift that's right but i think the one of the difficulties that, that I think uh, that, that councils have, that councillors have, but also that campaigners outside councils trying to understand what is going on have is, I mean, as you said before, you know, lots of things are sort of happening under the surface and behind the scene, which, which, which don't get necessarily seen. But it's also, you know, it isn't one story. It's, it's a whole bunch of different stories. And, and when it comes to local authorities, the, the big stories, I suppose, are buildings, transport, and and partnerships and procurement and local economy 
Um, so if we just touch on those three a little bit. So if we, if we start with sort of the buildings story, do, do you see progress? Do you, and and where, where do you see it? And where do you see the, the big problems with that? I think in terms of buildings and retrofit, it's really just the scale of the, the finance needed to do the job, right? We know how to do the job, um, but there just isn't the finance to underpin the investment in skills, which is a, another huge shortfall, but primarily dependent on that, that pipeline being clear to people. So I think that's um, really one of the biggest areas where national government could make a significant impact really quickly is by investing uh, in retrofit at scale mm -hmm. uh, and potentially, you know, starting with social housing to, to wind up that um, economies of scale factor, which is going to be key to that as well. Um, yeah, I think, I think that's uh, one of the, the real key kind of, like, we know how to do this. It's just a, a pure matter of numbers really. But I think that we are we are seeing some examples where people are trying to at least create some scale at a local level, bringing together housing associations and local authorities and neighbouring authorities and beginning to look at, OK, what's our maintenance budget? What money have we got available that we know about over the next 10, 15, 20 years? Can we start to use that to can we rejig the way we use that to get retrofitting going? Are you, are you picking up on, on successes like that? Or? I haven't come across a lot of that but that's not to say that it doesn't exist because you know we only have a, a limited amount of time to be surveying what's going on out there i'm sure i'm sure there are people doing innovative things mm. but clearly those are nowhere near this, the scale required given the, the housing stock of the uk which is yeah vast yeah and then and then on transport um so you know there's been some really uh, useful reports cpre doing a report uh, about you know what a bus one what do they call it uh, every village every hour you know sort of really trying to and, and showing how much it would cost and then other work suggesting how much it would cost even to make that free public transport to really do the modal shift that we need um are you are you picking up any any stories that that suggest that we're getting anywhere on the transport issues I've seen a lot more in the sort of urban um, environment just because I, I guess that's where the, the media are focused more and obviously where the, the vast majority of the population live. Um, but yeah, I think I think there's some really good ideas out there. It's just finding ways to do them. And from the local authority perspective, I think it's just so much about the capacity you know, there's a huge discrepancy in the capacity for action between the cities, particularly down to kind of district level, where you've got, if you're lucky, one person dedicated to, you know, as a climate change officer, um, but you have, might have teams of 20, 30, 40 people at a city scale. So there's a huge discrepancy here in, in people's capacity to act. And, and I think that's why there's a need not only to make it kind of everybody's job so that it doesn't kind of fall to that one voice who clearly, you know, isn't going to be able to make a huge difference, mm. maybe on a short-term contract and therefore not feel secure enough to try and drive through significant changes. Um, but that also makes it seem like kind of just this specialist issue because you've got this specialist person dealing with it. 
So I think there's a real need to, to move to that model of it being everybody's job, you know, that kind of mainstreaming idea. That's, that's um, but yeah, clearly there's a need to integrate all this transport stuff as well that's going on mm. at local level. Mm. Um, I think the idea of extending strong and high quality public transport systems to the kind of edges of urban areas and then linking those together with a network of, you know, whether it's trains or electric coaches or whatever it is, has huge potential to make a big difference, um, but needs an integrated approach yeah. for which there is nobody really driving it at national level as far as I'm aware. I'm so glad you said electric coaches. I've, I've been trying just quietly pushing the coaches story. I do think it's a big part of the picture that, you know, there's so much we've got the infrastructures there in terms of roads you know so why not get electric coaches rather than anyway um... have, you been, have you been in touch with peter i forget his surname now there's a guy called um who was pushing uh, pushing his harsh term but he was promoting um an idea through under the brand name conga bus or motorway mobility okay he was an, he's an entrepreneur and he was um yeah, he did all he could to promote this idea within the various transport bodies. Yeah, just uh, found that there was a huge kind of systemic inertia against that kind of thing. Yeah, um, but yeah, he was really keen for us to to kind of try and promote the idea. And it, yeah, it's a brilliant idea given that the infrastructure already exists in large part. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so then 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 there's the 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 local economy story. And and before we started recording, you were you were sort of talking a little bit about the community wealth building approach. Um, so, well, first of all, what are your thoughts about that? And and are you seeing examples of, of good practice on that? Yeah, I think certainly what Lewis has been doing, and of course the, the long-running Preston example, um, show just what is possible within the existing system. I think what's exciting about community wealth building is that it allows you to create a new way of doing things, even within the existing kind of overarching economic system, but really change the, the focus and the priorities at local level um, and, and create pressure from below for, for bigger changes at the, the, the wider scale, really. Yeah. I, think that, I don't think it's really possible to, to get the kind of transition to net zero that we need, i.e., you know, fair and, and um, balanced between who the, the costs and the benefits fall on and um, accrue to without community wealth building. It just seems to make so much sense in terms of changing the way that procurement happens and, and reducing the transport mileage for various goods and promoting local jobs where people are traveling less in their daily lives and mm. creating, creating jobs at local level um, by by promoting directly the local economy seems like um, an, an unavoidable, but also just such a brilliant opportunity in terms of strengthening communities and, and increasing resilience as well. Mm. I think there's not enough focus on the, the positive aspects of all this, really, and, and what people have to gain, because I think there's a huge amount for people to gain 
um, and a lot for people to get excited about at local level by 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 taking some of these opportunities to increase economic activity locally there's so many places around the country which are really run down and really in need of a, a boost and it, it can come from from this type of approach yeah yeah i really wish we had a better term than co-benefits i think it's a really unfriendly term that people don't get you know that but we need to find a way of saying that these transformations are good for communities yeah yeah i mean they're good for the economy yeah, co-benefit sounds a bit technical, doesn't it? Um, I, I mean, I think community wealth building sounds pretty positive. It, it sounds like everybody's going to get richer, which yeah. of course isn't the isn't the goal. It's much more about rebalancing. Mm-hmm. But you know, for a lot of people, that's much more important than the climate change agenda. Yeah. So I think it, it's it's a really positive sell in that respect as well is that it, it focuses on people's lives and tangible things that they can see around them and opportunities for themselves and their friends and family and, and mm. neighbors and and what they can see going on around them because you know all, all the stuff that goes on at national level or in the southeast or you know even in, t- in terms of kind of trying to level up and boost manchester and the, the northeast and so on is all very theoretical to most people because they don't live there. Yeah. yeah. But what they can see going on around them and, you know, boarded up shops on the high street versus uh, innovative local businesses popping up left, right and centre, you know, there's a different feel then for people. It, it makes a difference to their lives. Yeah. Yeah. So the the last thing I just wanted to explore with you a little bit is, is, I mean, part of the reason for for interviewing you and interviewing others was, if you like, almost to 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 try and to try and justify the fact that I'm going to be saying we don't know, we don't know how far we've got because there is no way, you know, the the, the national picture is not properly measured. There's no proper monitoring. There's no proper reporting. Um, but I want to I want to check if you if you agree, you know, do do, do how how. How much do we know about how far local the, the the climate emergency declarations have actually produced real change? Do you think? Yeah, I think that's a huge issue generally with climate change, um, from a, a number of perspectives. You know, primarily that the whole of climate science is built on data, which is by by necessity. Um, exists at, at particular places at particular times. So, for example, you know, it's very difficult for us to know even the situation we're currently in in terms of climate change globally, let alone nationally and, and in every local area. There just aren't the data available to, to define that very clearly. Um, so, yeah, knowing where people are at locally right now is very very difficult the the impact tool which was developed by i think it was cse and exeter university there may have been others involved as well but while that's called a kind of carbon calculator what it's really doing is sort of downscaling to local areas and trying to get an idea of what emissions probably are rather than what they actually are because all this is very intangible right you you Mm. can't 
see the carbon dioxide floating around in the air. So it's very it's very difficult for people to engage with these issues because it's so intangible. And that's why I think these, these more tangible approaches like community wealth building are, are very important for, for making change now. You know, I think what we're all aware um, within circles who are kind of focused on climate action is that there's no time to waste in taking action. Mm. Um, and anything that kind of reduces fuel bills or reduces mileage of transportation of goods and uh, increases people's abilities to work locally and therefore travel less themselves have to be good things. You know, those are, are tangible things that we can be pretty confident aren't going to have negative side effects because that's one of the huge risks here is that we we invest a lot in taking action which has unforeseen detrimental side effects um so we have to be pretty careful about what we rush into here that we don't just create a new set of problems it, particularly environmentally right i mean even the numbers that we're looking at in terms of um electrification and I suppose electronification. <laughs> I don't think that's a word, but you know, batteries and all the electronics that go along with smart systems and so on aren't without their environmental impacts either. You know, there's huge requirements for materials and energy in producing those things. So we have to be really careful mm. what we rush headlong into. Mm. But localizing economies, you know. Is is less about or has less of those kind of implications, um, but yeah, I think you're right. We do need a system of of monitoring how we're doing, um, but that kind of can't become the focus either. It's I think there's a real need to balance the monitoring of how we're doing with getting on with doing stuff as well like we don't want to spend too long setting up an, an elaborate monitoring system which takes five to ten years so that we can then take action and know that it's working yeah we need to be yeah doing the things that we know are needed now and setting up something alongside that to help us yeah try no, and I, get, I, get, I, I get that i think i think probably so, so uh, the Climate Emergency UK, Kevin Freer's organisation, are doing some piece of work where they're trying to rank the, the climate action plans. Um, yeah. And meanwhile, the, the local government association has a has a tool which they've tried to encourage local authorities to report on their own greenhouse gas emissions. It's it's, it's very much the corporate rather than area, but nevertheless, it's a it's a it's a detailed tool which is trying to look at all three scopes. I suppose what I'm getting at is is you know. We, we don't we, we don't even have any benchmarking so councillors in one area struggle to find the leverage that you should have by saying look what's happening over there because what they can what we can do is we can point to organizational progress we can point to partnerships we can point to in, you know individual little schemes of innovation but what we can't do is say they are ahead because nobody knows you know, in terms of in terms of where different local authorities have got to with with their plans, that's that's I think one of the big difficulties for us. And I'm not suggesting that's about measuring you know carbon dioxide in each in each local authority. That would make no sense at all. 
Yeah. We do need some benchmarking, I think, in terms of our, our councils taking the actions that they could be taking. Yeah, I think that's right. I think we do need benchmarking. I think, I mean, that's what we've been trying to do in terms of sharing experience of, of doing things practically um, and letting people know what's possible, really. Um, and we have managed to um, reach quite a large audience over the last 18 months through our series of webinars with Ashton and through our training courses and so on. Um, I think what what Climate Emergency UK is doing is, is a really valuable thing in terms of um, identifying which are good plans, which are, are less good plans. And we, we were involved in um, putting together the document, which is kind of defining what should be in an action plan. Um, and we've, we've been supporting the work to do this. It, it just also has to be very carefully done because it's not fair to be comparing a, a district council with one or no climate officer with a city which has a team of 30 or 40 people yeah. so it has to be kind of proportionate and fair in terms of um what the implications are publicly for high achieving and, and lower achieving mm. and and the focus has to be on supporting um yeah supporting improvement in as positive a way as possible uh, i think it's really important that better examples are, are available to people to learn from. But of course, then there's also, they have to have the capacity to make those changes and to improve. Yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah, these are all balancing acts on the hits. Um, there's no simple answers here. It's all about trying to work out some of what's needed and do it in the right way and to the right extent. Okay, so is there is there anything else you you you'd like to sort of throw into this picture? So, so as as to say, this is this is to contribute to a session where we're thinking about you know what's what's next, if you like. What's what's the, what does the next year look like in terms of pushing local authorities and and trying to make change locally? Um, is is yeah? Is there, what would you say? What what would you say are the are the, are the priorities or, or the opportunities as well as the challenges? I suppose. Huge um, yeah, they are huge questions. Um, I think there's, while the CCC recommendations are are not kind of way off the mark, I think uh, I think the emphasis really needs to be on the kind of partnership approaches and the ways of doing things. Uh, so when you're talking about um, needing to produce a plan, you know it's really important that that isn't done in isolation and, and a disconnection from local communities. I think it's really important that those are used as an opportunity to engage with local communities in a meaningful way. You know, there's degrees of participation and, and I think this really needs to be um, participation of a, a really meaningful kind. Can I just um, explore that for a second? Because I think that's so yeah. interesting because there's the, there's the risk that you, on the one hand, you know, there's an argument for doing that simply because it's the right thing to do and it's you know it's morally good and it's democratic but what but i i, I guess you're suggesting that actually it's also about making it making it effective and making a difference so just I, I think it is i think it's about making it effective i think i think what we've learned in various fields over the last few decades is that when you try and impose top-down solutions 
they turn out to be not solutions for some people um, and to either ignore existing problems or create new problems potentially for some of the same people who already had the existing problems. Um, but what we're talking about here is also about drawing on as much um, expertise of different kinds that's out there because people's lived experiences of a, of a particular area tell us about what's going on there and what's working and what isn't. So it's very easy to make top-down decisions and plans for different aspects of a local area which are not informed by the people whose experience um, includes the impact of those decisions. So we're very focused through the Zero Carbon Britain Hub and Innovation Lab on design thinking approaches, which is very kind of user-centered and very inclusive in terms of how are these things affecting you? What, where are the problems in this system? What do we need to be addressing here? And that, that really gives you a much better picture of, of complex systems because what we're talking about here is making decisions and plans for complex systems. No one individual or even group, small group of individuals can have a, a realistic picture of what that system looks like. It's really, really difficult to know what the varied impacts are of a particular policy in an area. So unless you're getting out there and talking to people to have those perspectives included um, in your understanding of the system, then you're going to be making plans for a system that doesn't really exist to some extent. So it's, it's not just about doing something because it's the right thing. It's about drawing on all the knowledge and skills and experience that's out there in the world and making, helping that inform those plans so that it best fits the actual reality, the lived reality. Yeah. Um, I was going to say something else on that that occurred to me while I was saying it. Um, I, I think there is a need, as we've already been saying, for balancing that as well, right? You can't spend your whole time consulting with people for three years before you even start to make a plan. So all this has to be quite dynamic. And this is what I was saying about the challenges for local authorities being uh, in doing new things in new ways, you know, facilitating processes of not just kind of consultation with local communities, but real partnership is, is a new thing for a lot of local authorities, but it's vital in this work to, to make sure that we're understanding what the local area is like and what, what is being experienced. So, so ultimately, I, I see this as a, a kind of democratic deficit, really, that we're trying to address here. We, I think we really need to connect communities with councils a lot more so that the councils are, are drawing on that experience that's out there. But there's a, a real disconnect, I, I think, the proportions of people who vote in local elections is is much lower than even in national elections which is already not really representative of the whole population so i think there's ultimately i think there's a real need to be out there on pavements and almost knocking on doors i think there are huge potential opportunities from doing some things online and i think that's what we've seen with these kind of county scale community action 
networks is that I think what's interesting about it is that a lot of them wouldn't happen without online meetings because not many people would travel weekly to a, a central place within a county for a meeting. But if you can do it online, everyone can turn up very easily on a Wednesday evening and have a discussion for an hour or two. So you can start to coordinate at that level. Mm-hmm. But I think there's a danger of, of thinking you can do everything online, which necessarily excludes some people because they don't want to or can't get online. And I think ultimately this is going to come back to a real kind of pounding pavement and knocking on doors yes. and finding out what people think about these things and yes. engaging in that way and yes. and uh, introducing a bit more humanity into all this that's because- really that's really interesting that you said that that's great i mean i i just to share you this my story so we've got we 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 just started literally last uh, this this week uh, an engagement exercise on a low traffic neighborhood in 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 an area of shrewsbury and you know, we've seen from the last year and a half that these things can be done well and they can be done badly. And, you know, we've, we've got, we've, we've delivered postcards to everybody. We've got drop-ins at the local pubs. We've got a drop-in at the, an annex to the local shop. We're going to do some walkabouts where people can just catch us in the street to talk about the scheme. You know, I'm hoping that this is, that, that we'll get something, but actually, ultimately, we have to get buy-in from local people Otherwise, it won't happen, you know. But I think that I think you're right that that's 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 the way. So many of these things need to need you need to have a bit of a change of a mindset and and get out there and start and start fighting for for various changes. Transport and and is is the is the first one in in many ways. I think that but somehow engage well engaging with social housing tenants, for example, on retrofit is an enormous story because you know they. they their priority is a new kitchen because the old one's just worn out, you know, and and they don't necessarily want to see their house ripped apart for insulation unless they really understand what the impact might be in terms of bills and, and healthier living. But that requires proper engagement. Well, and that's the other aspect here, right? It's about working out what problems you should be solving. It's not even about, like, saying how should we solve this problem that we think we need to solve. It's about starting at a more basic level than that and understanding what problems people think need fixing. That's fantastic. Yeah, it's, it, that's, it, it reminds me, Chris, if you've ever heard Chris Borgman talking about how he's, you know, how he wins things on, on cycling and, in, and that sort of infrastructure in Manchester, he's so clear about, about that approach. About, you know, and, and also, you know, he's, he's hard-nosed about it. He says, you know, if they don't, if they don't want it, I walk away and I go and work somewhere where they do want it. You know, yeah. I don't have the time otherwise, you know. Yeah, well, what's the point, right? Yeah, yeah. We don't, uh, but this is the, the thing. We don't have the time to solve problems that don't need solving. We need to get on and solve the problems that do need solving and that we can introduce a, a climate change, decarbonisation, biodiversity problem with first. You know, let's take those opportunities. Let's show that, we can solve people's problems in a in a carbon neutral or carbon negative way yeah. and build from there. Yeah. Because then you've got buy-in from people who can yeah. see that they can get what they need as well as what we all need. You know, it's it's joining the common to the the personal needs, right? It's yeah. That's fantastic. Is there anything that you'd be 
um, able to share in terms of what you're doing in Shrewsbury? You know, could we share some your plan for doing that as a template on our resource hub or something?